good day to you and welcome to another edition of Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee. It's the video blog slash podcast. I've got Scruffy with me. He's kind of just chilling right now. He's he's really good at that. You know, the, the old, um, uh, you know, phrase, working like a dog. <laughs> it doesn't apply. It really doesn't apply. It's Monday. March 26th, or, you know, will be shortly when this hits the web. My name is Tim Patterson. I run the company Trade Show Guy Exhibits. I'm the author of the blog, tradeshowguyblog.com. I've got a book uh, on Amazon called Trade Show Success, 14 Proven Steps to Take Your Trade Show Marketing to the Next Level. And a new book coming soon called Trade Show Superheroes and Exhibiting Zombies, 66 Lists, Making the Most of Your Trade Show Marketing. It'll soon be on Amazon. Uh, you can get on the notification and update list by going to tradeshowsuperheroes.com. Already got uh, quite a few people on that list. That's kind of nice. So tradeshowsuperheroes.com. So thanks for joining, whether you're watching the video on YouTube or on the website, tradeshowguyblog.com, or listening to the audio version, like in your uh, iPod or something. Hey, I really appreciate it. If you like what you hear or like what you see, I urge you to head on over to iTunes and leave a rating and a review. Really appreciate that. Uh, today, for you, I've got a very fun and engaging interview with public speaker and customer service expert Shep Hyken. Lots of accolades for Shep, and we'll hear about those in just a minute. Uh, he and I ran into each other about a decade ago, maybe more, and I thought, well, I should, I should get him back on this show. So he's here. It's great to have him back in front of the microphone. So I've got best-selling author, speaker, customer service, and experience expert Shep Hyken with us this morning, inducted into the National Speakers Association Hall of Fame. You know, those are some pretty good credentials, Shep. Um, thanks for joining me here on the Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee Podcast and Vlog. Uh, good day to you, sir. Well, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. So uh, where to start? You know, I, I thought it would be fun to start with what's in the news recently, uh, customer service-wise. United Airlines has been in the news over the last uh, little while. I mean, it goes back to uh, when they were tossing a customer's guitar. Um, you know, breaking right, yeah, Dave Carroll's uh, yeah, guitar his, broke. He went crazy flight. on that. Uh, dragging a customer off the airplane with everyone taking video on their camera. Uh, Unbelievable. Just this week, uh, you know, putting a dog in an overhead bin with tragic results. And what would you tell United if you had a chance? Well, and but what you didn't see was the article that came out a week before uh, and by the way, I, I, we're not going to pick on United here. No doubt, right. United broke the guitar. And Dave Carroll went out and did a video. And so far, just about 18 million people have watched that video. Crazy. It's crazy. Last year, they, they took a guy off the plane and put a United Airlines employee, or actually, uh, it was a plane. They were wearing the United. There's a whole story about was he really an employee or not. You know, basically, it's one of the planes that they contract with and they wear and fly the banner of United. So right. to the world, it's United. And that was handled terribly, terribly wrong. Yes. Now what happened this week was uh, a flight attendant said, you know, a, a passenger brought on a little carry on with their dog in it and the carry on was sticking out a little bit in the past. And the flight attendant says that is going up above, man. The only thing the overhead bin is good for is luggage. Unless you want to heat up your pizza from the what you bought in the terminal and you want to make sure it's warm when you take it out two hours later. It's hot in there. And the reason is, is not only is it a confined space, but there's electricity running underneath there because that's what's powering the lights that are shining down on the passengers. So it's going to get warm in there. Right. I can't believe a flight attendant would put, ask to put a, a dog or any live animal. Here's the thing. I'm not going to pin that on United. It happened on United. It could have happened anywhere. 
Could it happen. Anyway. Bad judgment yep. on yep. the flight attendant. Bad training. Bad judgment. Um, I, I mean, I, I can use many words that I can't really use in, in front of a lot of people. I'm also going to say, why didn't this passenger say, there's no way I'm putting my dog up there? There's yeah. no way. Yeah. But maybe the passenger didn't think, well, it's confined space and it's dark. You know, the passenger may not have known. But come on, that flight attendant. And I, if the passenger made a stink, I would have, I mean, I know I'm a, a frequent traveler. I would have said, go talk to the captain. If yeah. The captain says it's got to go up there. I'm going to get off the plane. Okay. Uh, but anyway, that's me. A week ago, United, uh, there was an article that came out that United is, is putting 30,000 employees through compassion training, meaning they're going to treat people to handle stressful situations more compassionately. And those stressful situations could be from overbooked flights, weather delays, uh, mechanical delays, anything, you know, air traffic control issues, some of which are out of United's hands, but they're going to try to teach people how to be more effective at it. And I really like that. It's a great kickoff. But that's all it is to kick off. You got to constantly sustain it. That's what training's all about. You don't, you right. didn't do, you, you, training's not a, a past tense word. You, you didn't, and it's like, oh, we did training. No, you need to do training. Right. I did, so, I did sales training for a year and I want to go back, but uh, you, yeah. you, don't, you don't go in and get sales training for a day or two. It's ongoing and, and supportive and all of that stuff. Yeah, and role you, playing yeah, and yeah, things yeah, like that. By the way, exactly, I, I, yeah. you know, I didn't say that wasn't going to happen, but I thought, the, the first thing I thought is, great. They're going to do it. Second thing is, boy, I hope they do it right. And I hope they do do it right. That's, that's all I could say about that. But I think it's great that they're doing that. I think everybody should go through it. I think that should be a course in college. If you're in the business school, you should go through some type of soft skill, compassion, customer service type training. I think it's, it's something that you should, it's, it, they should lock it down. It's a requirement. They should use my book as the textbook. <laughs> it's, just like, it's like the doctor who has good bedside manner. A lot of doctors right. don't. Uh, and boy, they should, should have it. But there's a lot you just feel really comfortable around and then they do that. So people remember the bad experiences, uh, but don't really make a, a big deal out of a good experience unless it's really, really, really good. They don't tell people, but they will tell people about a, a bad experience. Why yeah, is that? Isn't, isn't that a shame? Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Southwest Airlines, by the way, great example. You start looking through all the posts on Southwest, you'll, you'll find a lot of really nice posts on Southwest Airlines. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? I mean, after they have a little heart on their, on their planes. And right. uh, I just wrote an article. I, I was with Southwest Airlines actually uh, just over a week ago at their training center. And we did a program together. And I met the head of uh, customer experience and operations over there, the senior VP. And we had a great conversation. I realized, man, it is in their culture. It started in day one when Herb Kelleher started the airline. They took off in around 1973, I think, or 72. They had three airplanes. Within a year or so, they turned a profit, and they have been nonstop, year after year, consecutive, turning profit every year. No other airline has done that. There's a reason why. Number one, they created the best expectation, meaning this is what you're going to get. You're not getting a first-class seat. You're not getting a warm meal. You're going to sit in the same seat that everybody else does. You're going to be put on by numbers, and you're going to get peanuts. That's what you're going to get. And you know what? It works. <laughs> it does. But the attitude is great. I mean, they have yep. fun on that plane. And, and you're right. It comes from the guy at the top or the gal at the top, who, whatever it is. They set the tone. They lead the way, no matter what organization. I agree that, the, that, that they, you know, whether intentional or not, the person at the top sets the tone and that's what uh, filters down all the way. I right. Think. And in addition to the lower priced airfares, which aren't necessarily that low, but the no frills, so to speak, Right. They do promise the best experience. And you know what? 
they pretty much deliver it. They pretty much so deliver it. I'm impressed. It's so, you know, with six, almost 60,000 employees. That's hard to do. Yeah, it is. And some of your, your, your presentations, you talk about having a satisfied customer. And, and, and what's the difference between a satisfied customer and a loyal customer? Because well, satisfied is, is, yeah, that was good. Yeah, satisfaction is a rating, you know, on a scale of one to five, poor, fair, satisfactory, good, excellent. Satisfactory or satisfied is in the middle. Loyalty is an emotion. And, and I, I started recently, somebody said, yeah, it's like somebody said, yeah, how is everything? It's fine. And I was doing an interview where I was the interviewer just like you are today. And I go, fine, that's a great word, fine. Fine is like the F-bomb of customer service. <laughs> yes, fine is. is not fine. And, and if, if I ask my wife, is, if she seems that like something's a little bit off, I go, is everything fine? Or no, is everything okay? If she says, fine, it's right. not fine. It's not fine. <laughs> it's we really know that. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the most common thing that you think uh, from your experience seeing all this that the companies do wrong that, that would be an easy fix? I'm, I'm sure there's a few things you run across that would be on the top. Yeah. Of Let's just hit two or three of them real quick. Number one is that customer service is not a department. It's not who you call when there's a problem. Customer service is a philosophy where everybody gets involved in making sure the customer has the best experience. Walt Disney, and with his theme parks, he created a great idea that um, there's basically three jobs or three responsibilities to everybody that's hired to do whatever it is they're hired to do. Number one is to do the job that you're hired to do. Number two is to take care of the guest that's customer service. And number three is to keep the park clean. If you see dirt or, or a piece of paper, pick it up and throw it away. We want to immaculate. But, you know, it's important. Everybody's job is to take care of the guests. Just as whether you call them customers, guests, clients, members, patients, if it's medical, anything you want to call them, they are your customer. And it's everybody's job to take care of that customer. So, uh, so you have any examples of a horribly bad customer experience that's even more memorable than, than a great one that, that oh, uh, people man. have shared with you? Many, well, let me, you know, it's like, <laughs> where do you I, start, I, right? I try to put them out, out of my mind. Uh, by the way, you ask, you know, like what's, what some of the companies are doing that I think just recognizing that service is a philosophy. The other thing is companies don't take the time for leadership to spend time on the front line. I think it's important for them to right. spend time on the front line and hear what customers are doing. Back when I wrote my first book, before the internet was even invented, uh, there was uh, you couldn't go on, you couldn't go and like watch conversations and chats and things like that. No, Anheuser Busch used to say to their executives, once a quarter, one day a quarter, you got to go out with the route salesman on a truck mm -hmm. and go talk to customers in restaurants right. and grocery stores and convenience stores. That's important for the top level people to go out. It's important for them to map the journey of the customer. What's the customer typically going to go? All right. So bad service experiences. Oh my. <laughs> I mean, you know, where do, where do we begin? It's, you know, uh, we can, I'm not going to cite any specific. Yeah, we don't need to name names. I'm just some examples. It's of, what people say. Yeah. It's really at the end of the day, it's like what people say and the attitude they have. It really you know, is, yeah. I can't means I won't try. You know, can I please speak to the manager? You can, but he's going to say the same thing or she's going to say the same thing. Just make sure you don't tell them what's going on here. Bring them out here and let me, you know, get into it because I can't stand it when the manager comes. So-and-so told me, and you know what? I I'm going to side with him. It's like, you haven't even heard my side of the story yet. But so many times that happens. I, I think uh, people's inability to say, I'm sorry, we made a mistake is a big problem. Yeah. And the first thing is to say, hey, I acknowledge and apologize are two really important pieces of the customer experience. And if you're willing to do that to start with, and then you start discussing the resolution 
and you own the problem, even if it's not your fault. I think that goes a long way to reestablishing confidence. Yeah, there have been times uh, that I've dealt with with clients that something has gone wrong that that wasn't my fault, and I could could have pointed the finger, but I didn't want to do that. I just want to say, let me, it, you know, it's 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 my responsibility to make this happen. Let me see what I can do for you. And I've always yeah. figured that was the best approach, um, just because yeah. that's that's what I was taught. That's that's how I approach things. I just I think that's the right thing to do. So I think it really does come down to doing doing the right thing. A lot of people just don't have that sense. It's so so interesting. Right. It's important. Doing the right thing. You got to teach people to take ownership. And that means you hire the right people that have the attitude and are willing to accept it. There was a young, like 19-year-old girl at High Point University in North Carolina. And they actually have concierge desks throughout the university. And they're staffed by, by students. Mm-hmm. And I said, so what's your job? My job is to answer any question anybody has or help people with their problems. I go, really? She goes, yep. It may not be my problem, but it's my opportunity. I get to own it and take care of it. I go, this is a 19-year-old kid. Wouldn't you graduate? And do you think you'd want to move to St. Louis and maybe we have a job waiting for you? Yeah, boy, what great training is that? That's, That's great, yeah. Uh, let's shift gears a little bit. I want to ask you a question too before we wrap it up about uh, presentations because you do an awful lot of them. I mean, having been named to the uh, Hall of Fame for the National uh, Speakers Which Association. Which quite an honor. Thank you. Yes, yes. Um, I wanted to note that. So how do you give a successful presentation? What kind of steps do you go through with a client to make sure that what you're saying really resonates with that particular audience? Sure. Uh, well, so uh, first of all, you know, that's a main way that I make a living. I started in 1983 as a professional speaker and still today, even though we do much more, speaking. I'm out there maybe 45, 50 times a year hired to go out and speak. So several things. Number one, I need to understand the company. So even before the client says, I want to book you, I would love to have a call just to make sure that we're in sync with each other and I understand who the audience is. And, and I have a pre-programmed questionnaire that once you do book me, it's pretty extensive for me to understand who that audience is. But there's a couple of really important questions I like to ask. And I think these are important you could be in sales, not selling a speech, but these are important for all different types of, you can adapt them. Number, the, here's the first question. If, uh, what are the three most important outcomes you want for my presentation? I might word it differently. What are the three big takeaways you'd like this audience to leave with? And again, part of it depends on who's the audience, but I want the three success criteria. So when we're you know, telling me ahead of time, what do you define as success? The second question, and this is the big one, Uh, Dan Sullivan, who's a coach that I go to, uh, he has a company called Strategic Coach. This is what he calls the Dan Sullivan, now the relationship factor or R factor question. And I've modified it a little bit. But if we were to get together a year from now, what would have had to have happened for you to feel that that speech and the time I spent on stage in front of your people was a complete success? Okay, that's not about takeaway. Takeaways help me define the success criteria and preparation. But now what I'm asking is, what does it look like a year from now? What would have happened? Because a couple of things I'm going to get an answer on. Number one, they'll define that for me clearly. But number two, I might say, well, if you think you're going to get that from a one-hour keynote speech, I think we need to talk about more. We need to talk about other things. because. And by the way, not so much that I'm going to sell you other things, but let me tell you what's going to have to happen for your vision to become reality. Right. And I just love that question. It also puts me into the future with them. And so that, that's a kind of a, um, I almost want to call it psychological yeah. Yeah. Uh, nuance that, you know, we're now talking about, hey, I just did the speech, you know, 
Doesn't right. get any better than that. <laughs> but seriously, that's an important piece of it. I want to know what their success criteria is at all levels. And then I help them achieve that. Even I'm speaking for one hour, hour and a half, maybe it's even only 20, 25 minutes. But I, a lot of work goes into the front end. Oh, yeah. Far more work than the time I spent on stage. And on the back end, I call this the after experience. I'm going to work with them as much as they want to make sure that their vision becomes reality. It's not about charging more money. I don't charge to have those follow-up phone calls and check in with them once a month or two, three months from now. That's just part of what goes into that particular time I'm on stage. Right, right. You know, I, it was, I'm just reminded of uh, one of the things that Mark Twain was asked, you know, can you speak for me? And he says, well, how long do you want me to speak? Because I don't know. He says, well, if, if you want me to speak for an hour, I can start now. But if you want me to speak for 10 minutes, you, I need a week to prepare. Right. Yeah. <laughs> if I had more time, I'd do a shorter speech. <laughs> exactly. Now, you have a number of books available on your online store and on Amazon, as well as a virtual interactive training program. If someone wasn't familiar with what you were doing and wanted to get involved in learning some of the strategies and tactics, where would you direct them to start? Sure, just go to hyken.com, H-Y-K-E-N.com, and there's the online store. You'll see a link to the online store. Some of the books, you can get them on Amazon, of course. Uh, they're there. The online training, that is you know, great. We've got five courses. They're very deep, robust, everything from general customer service to leadership and how you create that culture to handling complaints. And uh, we'll be happy to answer any questions you have. But here's the other thing. Even if you don't want to buy a thing, Go on the website, click on the articles. There's 500 articles that I've written, probably more than that by now, plus dozens or hundreds of other articles that we have guest posts. I also have a podcast, and you, you can link to all of it from there. It's all free content, the great information. Go to my YouTube channel, which is Shep, S-H-E-P, my name, dot TV. Takes you straight to my YouTube channel. There's probably about 550, 600 videos all lessons in customer service that you can use and share with your team. So uh, it's the law of abundance. You know, just put it out there. I want to create an amazement cool. revolution. Great. I appreciate it, Shep. One more question. How, how much time are you going to spend on your guitar in, uh, today? I'm just kidding. Uh, let's see. Today's Friday. Oh, good. Friday night. You know, I don't know what my wife's doing, but I know what I'm doing. No, I, I, I play guitar. I love it. I may spend 45 minutes to an hour average when I'm home each nice. night playing right. around, having a good time. Shep, it's a pleasure. Uh, we'd love to have a jam with you sometime. Uh, we're, we're, we're a couple of thousand miles away, but we'll make it happen sometime. So again, so on the next time we do one of these interviews, you have your guitar, I'll have mine. And we'll, for the audience, we'll give them a little something. Extra. We'll, we'll figure something out. All right. Sounds good, <laughs> Shep. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks for having me. All right, thanks again to Shep Hyken. That uh, chat was really great. Truly appreciated Shep a lot. Uh, great to go over a few things with him again. Uh, this week's trade show tip of the week, be prepared for the unexpected. You know, it, it, <laughs> it happens. There's always a chance that something will not work out the way you have planned. I've done a lot of trade show exhibit projects over the years, helping set up, helping uh, clients do this and that. You know, things can go the way you don't want them to. And the key, I think, is being able to react on the spot to pull from whatever resources you have. You're on the show floor. You're you're setting something up and the wrong thing arrived. The right thing didn't arrive. Those types of things. Um, you have to react on the spot to pull from whatever resources you have, whatever experiences you have, whatever contacts you have to make things work. I don't think you have to be, you know, MacGyver. Uh, but you should have some experience and patience and understanding that no matter how well planned things are, sometimes things go wrong. You know, that truck with your exhibit may get caught in the storm. The flight your your, your team is on, uh, 
That may be delayed because of a storm in the northeastern part of the country. Just things happen. Things can cascade. So if you want to know how some people deal with them, uh, take a look at Exhibitor Magazine's Plan B column. It's it's a compilation of great stories, fun stories, unbelievable stories sometimes on how uh, people have dealt admirably with unexpected setbacks. All right. Uh, finally, let's do one good thing. The one good thing of the week. I have to tell you, being a fan of the Portland Trailblazers this spring, this winter and spring has, has been great. They uh, came out of the um, All-Star game in, in early February, mid-February. Uh, they'd gone into the uh, the All-Star game by beating uh, one of the best teams in the league, the Warriors. No one really expected that. Uh, since then, they won another 12 in a row, and so they had a streak of 13 in a row going. They finally lost... Uh, earlier last week to Houston, which is the best team in the league, almost beat them. Came down to a couple of plays at the end of the game. Uh, Houston's a darn good team. I, I, I actually predict they're going to win the championship this year. We'll see what happens. But the Blazers are so much fun. They've got some great players. Uh, Damian Lillard is just a special young kid player on the on the game. He's just unbelievable, uh, great competitor, uh, very talented. Uh, he wants to win, and, and it's great to be a fan of the Portland Trailblazers uh, it's always been a, you know great to be a fan. I've been a fan since 1970. I mean, we're going back to day one, but uh, this year it's really terrific. That is our show, the Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee. I'm glad you uh, stopped by and checked it out. I'm Tim Patterson, Trade Show Guy.